RadioInfluence.com. This week on Crush Performance, you asked for it. We're going to do it by popular demand. We're going to continue our discussion on midseason baseball. You asked for more insight and information on the impact of the missing season and return to sport, why injuries are so high, and how some of the rule changes are impacting the game right now. But what could it mean moving forward? We've got a fantastic discussion on this. And while the theme will be baseball, there are implications for every single sport we play. We've got a lot to cover, so let's get after it. Roll intro. You're listening to Crush Performance with the Crusher, Jeff Crushell. Get in on the talent grid and text Crush at 101260 with your questions, comments, or smart-ass remarks. Welcome to Crush Performance, everybody. I am Jeff Crushell, and we're your weekly source for performance information. If you want to get in touch with us, please do so. Crushperformance.com is the website. Info at Crush Performance is our email. Follow me on Twitter at Jeff Crush. And on all of the social media, search out Crush Performance and we can hook up there. Hey, it's been interesting to see all the messages coming in on on Facebook and Instagram. We've been getting a, a lot of props and messages on Twitter as well. Thanks, everybody, for your support, feedback, but most of all, for your questions. All the comments and questions you guys have sent in coming off of last week's show, looking at the midseason classic for Major League Baseball. Uh, your messages, wanting more information on the injury rates, why they're happening, how missing a season and returning to play is impacting development, um, You know how some of the rule changes are going to impact the game long term. Your questions have steered today's conversation and we're glad, we're glad to do it. Uh, today we're going to talk with our good friend Rick Knapp, who is the AAA pitching coach for the Durham Bulls. That's the AAA affiliate for the Tampa Bay Rays. The Rays are spectacular, of course. But Rick has been around the game for a long time. Um, He's drafted and played minor league baseball. And he'll say today, you know, we'll ask him. But, uh, you know, based on the changes in the draft and the contraction of the minor leagues, he wouldn't be drafted today. We've talked to him about that and a number of other players. You know, one of the great players that I had a chance to work with was Orlando Hudson. You can Google him. He is now uh, an advisor for the Arizona Diamondbacks, but he had a great, great major league career. He would not be drafted today in this new baseball landscape. And it's quite worrisome. It's worrisome for me. And, you know, there's two sides to change. Change can be good. You know, it can force us out of our rut and our comfort zones and, and force us to do things we might not have done before. So that's the upside. The downside is, do we really understand what the long-term repercussions are going to be of some of the changes that we've made? And so today, we are going to talk about, you know, based on your questions, we're going to talk about what does is, what is the minor league contraction look like? We've never seen this drastic of a change in the professional sporting landscape as the elimination of over 42 teams in minor league baseball. That's over 1,000 players that won't sign pro, where are they going to go? How are they going to develop? And how many diamonds in the rough? How many Rick Knapps and Orlando Hudson's and Chris Woodward's and, and you know, uh, maybe Albert Pujols, all these late draft picks who turn out to be incredibly impact players. How are those guys now going to make it to the show? Well, we know that the independent leagues are going to be important. The college route now becomes more and more important. And of course, last week we talked about the very first MLB Draft Pro Combine. That will be an important stepping stone for a lot of athletes as they try to showcase their their talents. So a lot of changes here. Um, Today, again, talking with Rick Knapp, we are going to get to all of those things. But keep in mind, all right, 
that the conversation today, while the theme is baseball, I personally believe there are implications here for every other sport that we play. All right. So I'm really looking forward to this conversation coming up. We've got a lot to get to and not a lot of time. So quick intro. Um, you know, I did want to talk a, a, a bit about the Olympics. Um, golf, for example, there's so many great things going on in sport. The NBA playoffs, uh, we'll maybe talk about that once it's all over. And a lot of questions on the Olympics and what these athletes have been through with the delay of the Summer Olympics. Again, unprecedented. And boy, oh boy, that window of peak performance is so fragile and so small for some athletes, especially for those athletes at the end of their career. So here's what I want to do. Uh, We're going to dedicate a show to the Olympics, the Summer Olympics and the Winter Olympics, because so far Beijing is on track. And we're hoping that those winter Olympic athletes uh, don't have to go through what our summer uh, uh, athletes have gone through in terms of the delays of COVID. Uh, But we're going to talk about that after the games happen. We're seeing, you know, in in golf, some incredible things happening. We're seeing in tennis, incredible things happening. Federer dropping out of the Olympics. So we're going to do a show on the Olympics Uh, towards the end and we're going to talk to people who were there and people who built up the Olympics we'll also talk about the Winter Olympics we're certainly going to talk about the NBA playoffs you know coming out of that bubble COVID year uh, basketball was looking really good Uh, there's a lot to learn there the injury rates in basketball from the grassroots up as well just like baseball hockey and every other sport we're looking at are scary and why is this happening all right why is that happening so quick short intro here We've got a lot to get to coming up next. We're going to talk about all the changes and get a really, really cool perspective of how it's impacting the game and the sport of baseball. It's going to be an intriguing, thought-provoking, powerful conversation right after this on Crush Performance. Find out what it takes to be a top performer. Get the Crush Newsletter, podcast and performance info at crushperformance.com. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Crush Performance, everybody. I am Jeff Groeschel. Hey, listen, if you have any questions, comments, or smart remarks, please get to us. Or if you have something you'd like us to investigate, a topic you're interested in, uh, or if you need some help, maybe with your own program, your team, or even your organization, reach out to us. You wouldn't believe the messages we've been getting from all levels of sport, uh, from parents, from players, from coaches, from administrators, and from, from organizations as well. Just fantastic stuff. And like I always say, you know, we've really challenged ourselves here to get people thinking about maybe something they haven't thought about before. But some of the messages we've got gotten recently, you guys are challenging us. And again, I'll say it again. What a great great team approach this has been just absolutely loving it so keep those messages coming crushperformance.com is the website info at crushperformance is the email and surprisingly we're getting a lot of notes on twitter at jeff crush and also on facebook and linkedin just search out crush performance and you can get us there if that's easier for you Uh, but we answer every message we get uh, at some time or another we get to them also so we will answer your questions and trust me it's so awesome to interact and and exchange ideas with you guys off the air. Um, Today, listen, we're continuing our talk on baseball. And and this is driven by messages and questions that you had 
from from our last show with Will Gilmore talking about you know the midseason classic, and we talked about the uh, first Major League Baseball draft combine. Uh, so many questions. We had to continue the discussion. Lots of uh, interest, and not just from baseball people either, from people in other sports, which is as rewarding as anything. But people asking about, you know, what's baseball doing here and why is this happening? Well, look, baseball is changing like like no other sport right now. And it, and if you're involved in another sport, it is certainly something you want to keep your eye on because it's either going to work out or it's not. Maybe more adjustments are going to be needed. But uh, there's one thing that's for sure going on in the game of baseball. There is change happening. And here to talk about some of those changes and the impact of the changes and maybe the unforeseen impact of some of these changes, however large or small they've been, is crush favorite Rick Knapp, pitching coach for the Durham Bulls, the Tampa Bay AAA team. Nappy, thanks so much for joining us this time of year. Such a critical time to have this discussion. So glad you could join us. Jeff, my pleasure as always, buddy. Yeah, really, really looking forward to talking to you. One, because I miss you, man, for sure. But also uh, because of the time of year. And we're in an incredible, just an incredible time in history, of course, coming off this COVID but but maybe first, let's just talk to you about this. You know, I, I watch the standings regularly and I've been following Major League Baseball, uh, Rick, and I've always been fascinated by the Tampa Bay Rays. You know, they're not a big spending team. I don't necessarily, you'd say the big market, small market, but they've never been a, a large payroll team. But man, oh man, they have always, always found a way to be competitive. And last year, my goodness, was that fun to watch. Yeah, I... To be honest with you, it was fun for me to watch as well because you see a lot of the, the product of your hard work right there on the field in front of you. And it's uh, especially last year when all the minor leagues were canceled. And the only thing we really could do was uh, working at the ATS was preparing those guys to help the major league club and then seeing your work impact them. And, uh, you know, the, the Rays sort of pride themselves on the fact that we can find some hidden gems some guys that have been overlooked in the past and uh, maybe help them sort through what they are, who they are and get the, uh, and try to drag the most out of them as we possibly could. Yeah. It's fascinating to watch. And you know, the other team that maybe fascinates me as much as the Oakland A's from that regard, because they've always found a way to be competitive as well. And I have to think internally, there's got to be some kind of similar mindset there. Cause even this year, if you look across the minor leagues, both, both organizations are powerful in the minor leagues, but they're also incredibly competitive in the major leagues with, with payrolls that aren't even in, in the same ballpark as some of the, the top spending teams. Right. And uh, some of that is, you know, you know, I don't know that our algorithm is much different or any better than anybody else's. Um, I think that we have some very smart people at the top of the food chain here, but I also think that we have a lot of very uh, smart baseball people. Uh, I know all in the pitching department, you know, we, we have a really good mix of old school and uh, new school young uh, guys uh, at the same time, you know, the old guys like myself, I mean, I, I'm, I'm into the, the analytics and the metrics and, uh, you know, looking at the Edgetonic camera and the track man every day to, to try to help a pitcher with pitch design, see if we can get more carry or add a bit more velocity if he stays in the ground longer. Um, it All it's done is help me become a better coach 
and um, you know, put that on top of the experience I have. It's been uh, it's been great. Uh, couple that with the fact that they're a very uh, family oriented organization. They take care of their people, and uh, we try to be as transparent as possible so all the the players understand where they are and how we are going to try to make them better. And that that really, I think, is is what really sets us apart. Uh, it's such fantastic, and I love. I just like the sound of that family oriented, uh, you know, organization that, that part, I think in today's corporate world, just even outside of sport, that is slowly, slowly disappearing, but it's such a great place for people in general. And I I just don't understand how we would ever, or why we would ever get away from that kind of an atmosphere, Rick. And, and I, you know, the rays, I guess maybe are just a great example of that, of why it's so powerful, how it's so powerful. Yeah. And this, um, situation where we haven't had any, you know, our organization and I'm, I'm, I'm just a small part of it, but I mean, through all this, there was very, very minimal firings as compared to other organizations. Uh, most of the full-time people that were able to stay employed full-time. And, um, that, that to me is really, you know, says something about our ownership and our organization. It's really been special. Yeah. We're talking with Rick Knapp, the AAA pitching coach uh, for the Tampa Bay Rays, the Durham Bulls. Well, Nappy, I, I, this is one of the things that I'm really, really interested to talk to you about. Um, for people that might not kn- know you or your career, you were drafted in, in the 1983 major league draft and you went on to pitch a good number of years and you went on to coach as well. And you've been a part of a number of organizations since then Hey, you know, when, when you think back to when you were playing Nappy and, you you know, the years that you were drafted and working your way through the minor league systems, you just talked about the analytics and the algorithms and the track man and, you know, the edutronic cameras. There's so much data and statistics right now. You know, there's been a massive shift in the game in so many different ways. But for you personally, I, I'm actually really interested to hear that you're embracing it, enjoying it, and using that data to make you a better coach, which ultimately – goes straight to the players because better coaches mean better players. It's a real, do you think maybe when the analytics kicked off the whole money ball craziness, everybody, do you think it maybe went, we went red line, maybe we went too far and we're coming back to an area now where things are getting a little more meaningful. Is that fair to say? Maybe. I think uh, Jeff, I think actually we've taken it a bit too far to the point where sometimes our games are unwatchable because of the lack of, offense and the current teachings of how, you know, the swing is. And it's really created a, uh, I don't want to get too far off tangent. It's really been different because I don't have to, I I mean, look, I was a 41st round draft pick. I wouldn't even be drafted in today's game, right? I would be, I would have had to get a job and I wouldn't have been able to pursue a career in the sport. Um, it, it, with what we're dealing with now, the analytics of the of uh, launch angle and exit velocities, um, coupled with hey man, I, and I'm battling the other side of that coin where um, I want you to you know we're we're trying to get guys that can carry the ball that can throw as hard as they can, and really not have to worry too much about um, location or how to pitch, but just let your stuff take over it's really created just a completely different dynamic in, in the sport. Um, I do think that there's going to be uh, some shift, but it isn't going to happen until um, 
there's something done about not striking out. I mean, quite honestly, when you strike out 200 times in a season these days, that's, that's like nothing. That's like, Oh, that's all, <laughs> which is crazy to it's, think of. It's and, crazy. Yes. Wow. Uh, until, until there's more emphasis placed on contact, putting the ball in play, uh, f- forcing the defense to do, uh, something, um, uh, the shifts won't get eliminated. There's just a lot of things that I think the game will eventually come back to its roots. Um, it's going to take some time, just like it took about 10 years for this to happen in its current state. Mm-hmm. But I also think that what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. So I do believe that there'll be uh, some sort of a resurgence in guys like myself, some old old timers in the game that, uh, you know, have an, an old, um, a, a new school, you know, resurgence, but an old school, you know, heart will still find a place in the game and it'll become more valuable. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, and that's a, that's an incredible perspective, Nappy. You know, I think, do you think it, you know, th- there's an opportunity here for a team that jumps on the, on the front front end of that wave, right? Getting back to it, you know, forcing, you know, the, the emphasis on strikeouts, for example, you mentioned, yeah, 200 strikeouts a year, man. Boy, oh boy. I remember back in the day, it was, it, you know, guys were struggling when they struck out, you know, a couple times in a game, leave alone 200 times a year. So I see what you're saying, but man, that almost seems like a massive opportunity for an organization who can get on the front side of that. And, and like you said, 10, 10 year turnaround, it could mean an advantage for quite some time. Yep. And at the end of the end of the, I think that you can start to see a little bit of shift. Uh, Jeff, I am a little bit concerned about the, you know, the contraction aspect and what has happened to the minor leagues right. because we really haven't, uh, I, again, I, I mean, I got a front row seat to this at AAA, but the, the gap between AAA and the big leagues is becoming wider and wider because there's been more of a push to get younger players to upper levels. And uh, you really see the disappearance of, you know, the 4A uh triple a lifetime triple a player that you know puts together a professional at bat that forces pitchers to become better be it have to locate better or have a reliable breaking ball and not just have to rear back and throw it a hundred at the top of the zone and get swing and miss on every pitch you know so um there'll be some adjusting as that goes along but at the same time you just kind of wonder how you know by taking by taking teams away, the limited opportunities that now present themselves for players that, uh, you know, are late developing. Yes. Yeah. And Nappy, that was one of my big concerns. And I'm glad you brought that up because I I really wanted to address that with you today to get your true perspective. Of course, working in AAA, you're right. You have a ringside seat right there. You're part of it. You're part of it for crying out loud. And so I'm actually really interested that you, your perspective on this. And it's interesting that you mentioned, you know, sort of that gap and the absence of the older players. I was always focusing now on the absence of the younger players coming in. I mean, you cut, you cut that many teams. So for people who aren't familiar with in major league baseball, this last year uh, restricted every organization to four minor league affiliate teams, where sometimes an organization might have six, they might have seven varied a little bit, but you know, most organizations had five, six affiliate teams now they're limited to four cutting out about a thousand players a year who would normally (laughs) sign they're not signing anymore so nappy my focus was sort of on where in the heck are these kids going to go into the independent leagues 
which could work out very well. But boy, oh boy, it's not the same as getting into an organization and working towards a goal with coaches, you know, every year who are, have the same, you know, maybe shared focus as, as you do. So that's changed, but I never really thought about the older players in the other end. Boy, this might be bigger than I, than even I thought, you know, in terms of the impact on the game. Right. So there's a couple of things that are interesting here, Jeff. And one is, you know, with COVID and all that it, you know, took away, players didn't have a chance to work, right? So um, a lot of them had to find um, other jobs, career-changing jobs in a market that really wasn't even existing. So independent leagues have lost, you know, that booster player for the major leagues or or for the minor leagues, upper-level minor leagues, as well as the um, the contraction has limited the number of players that an organization can have under contract. So if you're an organization like the Rays, where we try to stockpile prospects, what ends up happening is players are going to fall out of the top of that model and not out of the middle or at the lower end because they're, they're always going to be stockpiling prospects from the bottom. Right. So I'm certain that we're not the only team that's going to fall into this situation where you're going to end up having a lot of double A players filling rosters in triple A just because the organization itself um, is finding it hard to balance. And um, I mean, we'll see, yeah. we'll see what happens uh, in, in the coming years because, okay, look, we're going to reduce the draft by 20, uh, but we've, <laughs> We, we've, we're basically adding a team of prospects to a team that we don't even have. So 20 are coming in, 20 are going out. And if most of that 20 is going out the top end, then it's really going to force teams to put players at the upper levels of the minor leagues and even in the major leagues that aren't really quite ready to be there. Oh, boy. So What a massive shift in the landscape just from that perspective. If there's one thing that we know for sure, it's that no two bodies are the same. So when we start preparing our athletes for competition, we attack the individual and we always work from the inside out because what's inside is what counts. You're unique and your nutrition plan should be unique as well. Inside Tracker can help. Inside Tracker was founded in 2009 by leading scientists in aging, genetics, and biometrics. And using their patented algorithm, Inside Tracker analyzes your body's data to provide you with a clear picture of what's going on inside. And then they provide you with science backed recommendations for positive diet and lifestyle changes. Inside Tracker tracks your progress every day, every step of the way for better performance and better health. And I want this for you your family, and your athletes. So here's what we're going to do. For a limited time, you can get 25% off the entire Inside Tracker store. All you need to do is go to info.insidetracker.com backslash crush and use the discount code crush. That's crush with a K. Again, go to info.insidetracker.com backslash crush and use the discount code CRUSH for 25% off the entire Inside Tracker store. You can discover your body's potential with Inside Tracker because change is an inside job. Talk with Rick Knapp, AAA pitching coach uh, for the Tampa Bay Rays, uh, you know, calling you know the Durham Bulls, I mean the AAA team, and you guys are having a fantastic team that, uh, year this year. Uh, one thing I wanted to talk about, you know, in terms of that regards, Nappy was – 
you mentioned it earlier, you know, missing an entire season. You know, I watched with fascination as baseball and pretty much sport globally got shut down over a year ago as this COVID madness set in. Uh, but to miss an entire competitive season. Hey, I'll just tell you a little story here, if you're okay with it. I just, I, and, I, and I wanted to just throw this your way anyway, so I'm, so I'm glad we get the opportunity. So, so when this all happened, Nappy, I, I, I did a show, two-part series called The Kids of COVID. And it was really focused on those athletes who were just sort of making their way into either the college scholarships or, you know, the bubble of the, of the pro drafts or their first year of pros and our high school seniors who were just missing so much because things were shut down. And um, we talked with a bunch of knowledgeable people in, in the industry. And we talked with this one uh, researcher out of Canada here named um, 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 Eric Holt, Dr. Eric Eric Holt, and he was talking about, you know, the impact of this shutdown on on the development of athletes. And one of the things we got talking about was, you know, the fact that we're so overscheduled and, you know, we're so focused on competitive side of it at the, at the youth levels. Um, we're saying potentially, could we see if we use this downtime to work on the technical side and the athletic side of, of things that are going to make you a better player in the end, could we see a huge spike in the potential skill levels of our athletes coming, coming out the other side, if the time was used properly. Well, that's a great story for developmental sport, but not, not the same story for minor league players who are in the middle of working their way up the ladder in professional sports. I'm still trying to calibrate in my mind, the amplitude or the implications of missing an entire competitive season for, for a young professional athlete. And, and, and I know you're living this full, you know, you know, full time down there, have you noticed anything in particular? I mean, getting coming back into sport, were you guys more cautious this spring training? I know the schedule has changed here, um, but are you seeing any implications so far, Nappy, that might be connected to a, a missing an unprecedented entire season of competition? Jeff, uh, kind of what has happened is a lot of the players, especially the pitchers, and I can't speak for the player side, but with all the specialization in pitching in particular, with the uh, the different facilities that are out there that guys can go to for specialized training and uh, our own in-house program that we did at the ATS, I, I would say that 100% you can develop the skills that it takes, that it takes to be competitive and to be good, throw harder, move better, but... <laughs> that doesn't help you become a better pitcher. It doesn't take into account the laboratory setting that you've spent a year in. You, you have gotten your skill set better, but you don't know how to apply it as well. And that's really kind of what's led to this insurgent of velocity. I mean, you, <clears throat> it's nothing now to see two or three guys in a, in a game that we play here on an everyday basis throw 98, 99 and a hundred. It's crazy. The amount of velocity that's available uh, to us, even on a daily basis, it's um, possible that I can just be dominant with velocity in the minor leagues at the major leagues. It's different. There's more ability. There's more talent. They get to the fastball better. So that's really where the gap is going to come is going to be, how well can you apply the skills that you've learned? Like baseball is a sport like none other, in my opinion. Maybe 
I mean, the only thing that would really compare it would be golf, but nobody's throwing a golf ball at you to hit. Right. The golf ball is just sitting on the ground. You just have to hit that thing that's stationary, but it's a full body move to get to where you got to to hit that ball. This is a sport where there is some strategy involved. I am going to take into account my competitor and what he's capable of. And I have to kind of try to defend that. Um, there, There is a bit of a chess match involved in baseball that takes reps in a, in a, it takes reps in the sport. Yeah. It's not a, it's just not solo performance. Right. And that's where, again, I think Jeff, we bridge the gap pretty well is that there is such a human element in the baseball that on a given day, you expect that this guy's fastball is going to be there. You expect that same curveball or slider or change up or split. You expect them all to be there, but on a given day, this guy might have had a stiff neck when he woke up. Maybe he had a fight with his wife. Maybe the dog pooped on the rug and he had to mess with the, take him to the vet or whatever. There's this thing called life that kind of gets between the competition and uh, how the organization can help that player, how the coach, the personal relationships, those things are the things that are really the, the importance within the competition. I do believe skill levels can no question be advanced um, uh, during this COVID thing for sure. But the fact that there were no competitions, hey, man, I can throw a heavy ball up against the wall for hours if I wanted to, but that wall ain't going to hit it back at me at 110, right. 120. Exactly. Know? Yeah. Yeah. So there's some difference in that. Yeah. So are you important to to work at? No question. And I I totally appreciate that mastering the craft, especially at that level, you know, being in the heat of battle, there's so many variables that competition provides that you can't get anywhere else. You just can't, you can train all you want, but there is nothing like live competition in most sports. But as you mentioned, I agree with you. Baseball is like none other. There's nothing like the game of baseball because at some point in time, it's you against your competitor and it's you solo uh, in a situation where you have to make a decision uh, with your team working around you. And it's very unique that way. So our, as we get back into the games here and as you guys started off, you know, sort of the delayed spring training because of all the COVID, are, are you kind of seeing the guys uh, still adjusting back into the game or, or did was there kind of a good um, a good natural flow back into competition, Nappy? Yeah, I thought it was... Uh... Again, you know, we most of the guys that we had on our team were in spring training with the major league club. Right. And then when they broke camp, you know, we had our own ATS or alternative site training site bubble that we worked in. And I thought we did a really good job of <clears throat> just preparing the guys um, for what they were going to maybe run into at the major league level. So, again, that same subset of guys, you know, basically – we were there in Port Charlotte for the month of April, and then here we go. We're we're moving on to Durham. There were uh, filtered in about five or six other guys that weren't with us that were in the minor league camp, and uh, basically that was our club here. The fortunate thing is most of the guys kind of knew each other, and there wasn't a, a, a start over. I think that the the situation was fairly seamless um, because we had the two full months 
uh, basically of spring training, two and a half months right. of spring training. And I think that a lot of the guys, you know, came out of the shoot ready to go. I, I, now, I, I can't speak for other organizations or other teams, but I felt that our guys were good. I, yeah. I felt that our guys were, were ready. Now, you might want to check back with me in the middle of September when our season gets pushed out to October because I think that's another mountain to climb because a lot of the guys that even played last year only played 60 games. And right now we're right about at that mark. Um, actually, if you want to add the month of April, you know, we're, we're at about the 75 game mark. And um, there, there could be some fatigue on the back end of this. Uh, I know that we're doing the best that we can right now to make sure that we have enough, um, you know, innings and we don't pile on too much to these guys too early as far as the pitching is concerned. But it might be interesting to check back in mid-September to see, hey, where where are we now? I mean, we we could have a good chance to be, you know, dragging our tail on the ground, but crossing the finish line. Oh, uh, with fatigue, you know. Yeah, no, no, I do know. Uh, and hey, I'm gonna I'm marking that in my calendar right down, Nappy. You can guarantee a call. I'm gonna be reaching out to you, you know, late early to mid September for sure. There's no question. We will check back with you then. Because you're right, that is going to be interesting to watch. And again, this is going to be a master class in just athlete management with the whole performance team there. And I know you guys work together. We're talking with Rick Knapp, crush favorite, pitching coach for the Durham Bulls in the uh, Tampa Bay Rays organization, Nappy. Yeah, that is going to be fascinating because a normal season is a grind. Now, we're having a normal season coming off a short season, coming off of no season. So (laughs) it's just, it's like madness, man. It's madness. (laughs) The confusion is exactly (laughs) right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. They just added two weeks to our season here. So uh, we're going to play through till October the 3rd. And um, I'm fortunate enough. I have, you know, two Olympian pitchers on here on our club here, Joe Ryan and Shane Boz that, you know, I might miss them for three weeks and then they're coming back from the Olympics and then we'll see what's, you know, we'll see where they're at with their workload and how much developing is going to be left in their gas tank when they get back you know so that's going to be another interesting piece yeah the olympics throws a curveball into almost every every professional sport for sure and the nhl is dealing with that right now i'm so glad some of those guys will be get to will be getting to represent their countries though i know of course the olympics no doubt is still you know they're having a lot of issues there but delayed 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 but thank goodness that's going on and thank goodness these young players get a chance to get out and face the world now. So awesome. What an experience that'll be for those guys. Yeah, no doubt. I'm really, really, really grateful and thankful that these guys get a chance to do that. And it's something that's for sure. Yeah. Yep. Hey, Nappy, along with contraction here, you mentioned something else to me earlier that I thought was also very interesting, you know, in this whole shift, of course, um, the idea of the older players missing at the top, that, the impact of that had not occurred to me before. I'm kind of cursing myself right now for not thinking about that. But boy, oh boy, man, the leadership and the veteran mentoring that goes on inside of a clubhouse is, oh, incalculable. So I'm, that's going to be interesting to watch. You're right. The young guys coming in. No and it, yeah, and the young guys coming in and the guys that aren't going to come in. As you mentioned, if, if you were coming up now, you, you wouldn't have got the opportunity to sign pro. Think of that. Think of how many great players signed late or came in late or even signed uh, undrafted and, and rose to the top and really contributed. But also something else you mentioned really got me thinking about something I hadn't considered before the realignment of the leagues and where you're playing and even the, the weekly schedule, the monthly schedules, 
you're facing less teams now, or you're fa- let me put it this way. You're facing the same teams more often, which could also, you know, really potentially maybe limit development. Do you think? Well, I, I think that for sure that's, a, I, I can't, I can't speak for the league, Jeff. Right. I, so I, I we're going to see Charlotte, Norfolk and Jacksonville 100 times. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's crazy. Yeah. Right. So, I don't know. I mean, I think we have some really good pitching. I look at the league standings and we're near the top of the league in pitching, but I I look at the league. I also see where those three teams are near the bottom in offense. Now, is that because our pitching is really good or is that because that they're not all that good at hitting? Right. Right? I mean, they're facing us. So I, I, it's hard to, it's hard to kind of figure out which, which way is which I do know that look as a, as a pitcher, that had worked himself through the minor leagues, there were certain lessons each league would teach you. And if the league, if the leagues themselves get younger and the players get younger, where there are less older players that are there to, to, you know, for instance, there are 30, 32, 33 year old hitters in a league that know what a professional at bat looks like that can foul off pitches to keep a, uh, and at bat alive to make a pitcher work. Well, those guys aren't there anymore. Those guys are, they've retired because they had to g- jump into the, to the, the real w- working world uh, to make a living because baseball was non-existent. And now that those jobs are even disappearing and drying up, it's, it's, it's really a shame that those players aren't going to help today's pitchers prepare for the professional hitters they're going to see at the major league levels. So, I mean, I think the game is going to miss that part of the, you know, the, the in-house developing that, uh, you know, or the mentoring that goes on between, um, you know, older players and younger players when they, when they end up, you know, meeting in a league, a meeting on a team that's, you know, we have some players on our team that are 30. We have some players on our team that are 20 and that creates, and could create some friction if it's not the right 30-year-old and if it's not the right 20-year-old. Right. But there's some lessons that this 20-year-old needs to learn that this 30-year-old has the answers to. And without those older players, it just is going to create a gap that gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Now, Jeff, there's one thing that, you know, here's another thing that really could maybe help the sport reground itself and get some more offense into the game. And the fact that, you know, Major League Baseball doesn't really understand the ripple effects that these minor little rule changes, you know, what they do uh, to the game and, and what happens at the end of this ripple. Years ago, the Major, Major League Baseball added roster spots to the big league roster. And right. all that really did, you know, oh, well, we're going to protect pitchers. Um, and really... All that did was, oh, great, we can add two more pitchers to the roster. And so now they've basically taken the starting pitcher out of the game early. Whenever you're adding pitchers to a roster, you're basically taking the starting pitcher out of the game. Right. So with now the rosters are 26 or 27. With a 27-man roster, it's like, oh, man, if we can just get three or four innings out of our starter, we're doing something. And then we just parade these relievers in, right? So if they, if they, 
you reduce the roster back to 23 the way that it used to be and you keep the you know the disabled list at 15 days well then you're going to have to use those pitchers a lot differently than you're using them now in today's game and really you know the the small little changes that they've made in the game for a particular reason hasn't necessarily worked out for the best or or with the best intentions by all the clubs that are doing it. So now we have 27 man rosters, the triple a rosters at 30. Hey man, at one point this season, I had 19 pitchers, <laughs> which is so like, how are you going to manage 19 pitchers? Well, I'm here to protect them first. Yeah. Make sure none of them get hurt. Make sure none of them exceed workload and to make sure the major league club is provided for. And basically all we've done is, allow the major league club to just rotate, you know, our five pitchers that are on the roster to the big leagues and, and back. And um, if you reduce roster sizes, that won't happen because you, you take a guy out, he's got to be out for 10 days. So it, there's certainly some things they could do to write this. Uh, I don't know. You know, I'm not saying you need to go back to the dark ages of the game. I, like I said before, a lot of the stuff that is, that is, that I've learned with the Rays and through the places that I've been with the Dodgers and so forth has really helped me understand the analytics, the track man data, movement piece, the, uh, you know, pitch design, you know, hand placement, all the things that create better pitching. But it's the same thing. These same things are not available to hitters. <laughs> there's, there's, they have some of this stuff. But it's not as cut and dry as it is with pitching. Yeah. Yeah. And it does seem, well, we kind of know by the ERA numbers and the batting average numbers, pitchers have slowly been pulling away from the hitters. And that seems to be accelerating now. And I think you're right. Velocity has a lot to do with that. You know, we're going to watch this velocity phenomenon uh, really closely because we know, we know, at least historically, when we see increased velocity, the injury numbers also go up. So that's something we'll keep a close eye on as well. They always do. Yeah. And Jeff, the other thing is, you know, I want to, you're, you're right about the velocity, Let, but let's just say, Hey man, I can, I can really throw hard for about 20 pitches. And then, you know, man, my power kind of drops off after that. Well, if I have a, a hitter in there, that's not trying to just swing for the fence every pitch that actually puts a professional at bat together and makes me throw 13 and 14 pitch at bats. Well, he's going to wear me down enough where that guy becomes a little less valuable unless he can, you know, hold his stuff through 45 or 50 pitches, right? right. Or make a guy miss hit a ball uh, in fair territory. So the, the idea that, I mean, now if you see a guy on TV take a 13 pitch at bat, it's a wide-eyed wonder. <laughs> it truly is. You know? I'm standing and applauding, man. I, I tell you, what, when I see a pitch, when I see an at-bat pitch count get up around five or six, I'm on the edge of my seat, man. How far can this go? But hey, listen, exactly. I, yeah, I mean, I used to love those epic battles. You know, ten, twelve, thirteen, fifteen pitches. You know, you're on the edge of your seat wondering who's going to win this battle. Man, you don't see that that often yeah. anymore. You just don't see it anymore. But if that comes back. That to me is what creates excitement in the game. Yeah, scoring runs, it's something. Oh, what happened? A guy hit a homer. Okay, what happened? Oh, a guy struck out. I mean, okay, 
that's in today's game, the the twelve and thirteen strikeouts on each side is really something. You know, it's it's what happens about every night now. Let's put together some at bats. Let's make the pitchers work, and let's reduce the number of pitchers a team can have on have on it. And then you'll see a different game emerge for sure. Yeah. No, no, great stuff. Ah, oh, Rick Knapp, fantastic, fantastic conversation. Hey, listen, thanks so much for this today. Uh, um, it really gives us some perspective as to where the game's at, especially in that all, all important development side. We know, we know how important that is for every organization, but with the massive changes, it is going to be interesting to to watch Nappy. And, and thanks for your input here. Hey, I'm going to hold you to this. I'm putting this in my calendar right now we'll be talking before then for sure, but I would absolutely love to have you back on. Yeah. Early mid September, just to find out how everybody's doing and how everybody's managing through this, this changing landscape we're in, if that's all right. Yeah, man, you bet. Love to do it. Jeff, every time, you know, Okay, great stuff. Nappy, thanks so much. Hey, listen, as we head into the midseason, uh, good luck to you guys. We're watching with great interest and uh, man, oh man, do we appreciate your thoughts right here today? Yeah, man. Thank you, Jeff. Appreciate it. There you go. Rick Knapp, what a perspective. He has been around this game for a long, long time. And to have that insight and that perspective shared uh, like this, wow, I'm telling you, if that isn't food for thought, I don't know what is. And beyond baseball, isn't it interesting to note how even the slightest change, whether it's a rule or whether it's the developmental system or whether it's just the technology and how it's changing the game, how the smallest changes have maybe a trickle-down effect that we didn't even anticipate. And that's why we watch with great interest. And that's why I think this conversation is for everybody in sport, well beyond baseball. But boy, boy, I have to thank uh, Rick Knapp for that conversation right there. Hey, I want to thank you guys for tuning in today as well. All right, we're uh, plumb out of time. But um, boy, boy, I'm going to go back and listen to this conversation again. You can as well go to crushperformance.com, hit the podcast, archives, Every show we've ever done for 16 years almost is there. And, you know, we were messing around a few weeks ago, going back to some of our early shows. <laughs> it's kind of like Wayne's World down in the basement. Uh, but the topics were still, I think, as as powerful back then as they are today. And we're going to keep it going. Next week, listen, we're going to talk injuries, return to sport, preventing injuries, and training in the heat. Listen, we're getting into August now. And football training camps are going to start up at the football season. And it's getting hot. And in some areas, it's been incredibly hot already. Exercising in the heat. We've got to talk about that. Worthy conversation. And then the uh, Crush War on Sugar will continue in early August with another episode of The Science of Sweetness as we dive into looking at how the food you eat impacts your metabolism, your brain, your health, and your performance. Such great conversations going on there. And then in August, we're going to be diving back into the Crush 2021 theme, the brain game. We're going to look more and take a deeper dive into what the brain is all about, how it impacts our performance, and now how we can train it real time with some of the new technology out there. So we got a great lineup coming up, everybody. Okay, that's it for this week. Thanks again to Rick Knapp. Thanks for you guys for tuning in. Get out there, go have some fun, stay safe, and most of all, go get a little bit better. I'll talk to you next week right here on Crush Performance. This is a Rock Stops Here with Rock Riley Quick Fix on Radio Influence. Well, I must say, this one is going to be a little bit different. Good guy. Good guy. Unbelievable story and stories. 
And if you get a little squeamish, there's plenty of lead up to one particular story where he lost his leg. The former one-legged pro wrestler turned his life around actually after this motorcycle accident. And now he provides legs prosthesis for mostly kids that have lost their legs and he's doing it's just he's unreal big strong good dude the first time i saw him or two i didn't even realize he only had one leg the way he came off the ropes the way he was in the ring you would never know he he only had one leg so it's an unbelievable story he made it to the wwe for a couple of days there was a mistake WWE had signed the wrong one-legged wrestler. In the end, they probably, they should have signed Steve. Oh, my God. So he tells that story. He also tells the story when he was riding on his bike, on his motorcycle, and how the horrific accident that he lost his leg, he thinks it's a blessing. And what he has now done with his life, because he was getting in trouble at that time. Here he is, Chambo, Steve Chamberlain. The Rock stops here with longtime radio and TV personality Rock Riley is found anywhere you find podcasts and radioinfluence.com.